If you have your Bible, we'd like to, we're looking at, and if you want to follow along, we're looking at um, 2 Samuel chapter 14. 2 Samuel chapter 14, and the main verse that we really want to look at this morning is uh, verse 14. So 2 Samuel 14, 14, 14th chapter, 2 Samuel verse 14. There's a story behind this, and I, and I won't get into it too much other than Joab is trying to help out King David here because Absalom has killed his brother Amnon for taking uh, their sister Tamar and, and lying with her. Uh, and so Absalom finds out about it, and he goes and kills, uh, goes and kills his brother Amnon. And so when Absalom does that, he flees. He flees, he, he flees away. And so Joab is sending this wise woman from Tekoa, and he has instructed her to feign herself as somebody, you know, to put on rags and sackcloth and ashes and feign yourself as somebody that is mourning and take this story to King David. There was a, there was a reason behind Joab doing this to try to get, try to get uh, there's a reason for Joab to try to do this so he could get, King David to try to get his son Absalom back. Um, and then so she goes and, and, and does these things, and we, and we won't get into it, the 14th chapter, if you want to at some point understand more about this story here, um, you, you can read it. It's, it's pretty straightforward um, what it is. But, but then she says, and we just want to go to the 14th verse of this. For we must needs die, and are as water spilled on the ground, uh, which cannot be gathered up again, neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise a means that his banished be not expelled from him. Now, when the wise woman from Tekoa was telling David this, there was a, there's a practical application here. It is not the application that we want to look at, but the practical application that the wise woman from Tekoa was telling King David is we must needs die and there as water that is spilled on the ground again that cannot be gathered up. In other words, when we die, that's it. And that's, I mean, for we must needs die. We're all, in, unless the Lord comes back first, uh, I don't care, there is no fountain of life. There is, there is no medication or cure or dream or or anything else, uh, they may extend your life, but they're not gonna they're not gonna keep you alive forever. We're all uh, destined to the grave if the Lord doesn't come back. So we must all needs die, and we're as water spilt on the ground when that happens, which cannot be gathered up again. In other words, what she's saying is, don't waste time, David. Absalom has fled, and you're gonna die, and when you die, it's gonna all be over with. And he's saying, don't waste time, uh, uh, or, uh, you know, just sitting around. You need to get up and go do something. You need, because we must needs die. And there's nothing that we can do after that. Like water being spilt on the ground. You know, you can take this cup of water here and I can take it outside and I can spill it on the ground and you're not going to get that water back. It's gone. And so when we die in this life, as far as in this life, we're gone. And cannot be gathered up again, and that's a good. There, there is a good practical instruction for that 
in a, for us, even though it was a practical instruction for King David from, from the woman uh, from the wise woman of Tekoa, there's a practical application for us, and, and that is that in our lives, we shouldn't harbor unforgiveness, we shouldn't harbor malice, hatred, uh, envy, uh, pride, selfishness. We shouldn't harbor these things. We all only get to live one time. We live one time in this life, and when we die, when we breathe our last, that's it. We don't get to go back. We don't get to go back and change things. That, that's it. So what the instruction is to King David is, don't waste time, David. Go and get your son Absalom and bring him back because you're going to die. And then it's going to be too late. But there's a greater application of this that I want to look at this morning that is not a practical application, but is rather a spiritual application here. So what we see here are two overlying or overarching thoughts. And those thoughts are the ruined state of man and the, and the providence of God, if you will. The ruined state of man and the providence of God. So we want, to, we want to look at that and we want to also show that he says, For we must needs die and as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. When we see that in, our, in, in a spiritual sense, we all did die in Adam. Our position was changed in Adam. We were in a position of standing to a position of a fallen state. So our, our very position was changed in the Garden of Eden. The Apostle Paul said in the 5th chapter of Romans in the 12th verse, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we see this, this sin that our federal head, Adam, our representative, when he fell, we all fell in Adam. And we are as, and we must needs die. The Lord told Adam, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now he said, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Well, Adam didn't naturally die that day, but he did die a fellowship with God. Now, I've said this before, and I want to say it again. He didn't die spiritually. Adam couldn't die spiritually. But you hear a lot of people get up and say that he died spiritually. But Adam couldn't die spiritually because he didn't have the Spirit of God in him. You see, he was without sin. It wasn't until after that that the Spirit of God came into him while he was walking. He heard the voice of God. Do you remember the Scripture where it says that he heard the voice of God walking in the cool of the day? Adam didn't hear the voice walking. Adam heard the voice of God while he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It was then that he, him and Eve hid themselves from God. See, it was then that they were ashamed of their nakedness. They were ashamed of who they were. They weren't ashamed before that. He was walking freely about the garden of Eden. But when the Lord spoke to him, and I believe that's when he was born again by the Spirit of God, you can see right after that they begin to hide themselves and, 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 and try to get away from God. And I, and I believe that's when he received the Spirit of God. He received that Spirit of God 
brothers and sisters, because uh, uh, Adam was in the same condition that we were in before the Spirit of God came to, into us by the, by the will of God. And that is that we were all dead in trespasses and in sins. Uh, so we see there uh, that uh, in 5 in Romans, let me, there's several places we can go to. And I don't think we need to belabor the point. In Romans, again, in Romans chapter 5 and about verse 18. He says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Now that's not the end of that verse. I'm thankful that in this fifth chapter of Romans that the, that the, the apostle first tells us who we are in Adam and then, he before, then reminds us of who we are in Christ. Our first representative, Adam, and then Christ is our representative on the cross. And so you see that time and time again throughout this chapter. But he says, uh, but we'll just get, so we'll just get the first part of this to begin with. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. So we were condemned uh, because of the fall in Adam. For we must needs die. <clears throat> Death was the, was the penalty for disobeying God in the garden. And we certainly received that death in Adam, our federal head. And he says, For we must deeds die, and there's water spit on the ground, which cannot be gathered, uh, which cannot be... For we must deeds die, and there's a water spit on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any, yet doth he devise a plan that his banished... Be not expelled from him. We were his banished. That word banished simply means to be thrust out. We were banished. When you banish somebody or you banish something, you thrust them out. I, I banish you. We were banished from God. By God. You remember when Adam and Eve were banished? They were thrust out of the Garden of Eden. And a sword was there at the east side turning every which way to keep the way of the tree of life, they were thrust out from God. But listen to what he says. Yet doth he devise a means that his banished be not expelled from them. His banished. We were banished. And we're as water that, that has been on the ground. He says, For we must these die and as water spill on the ground which uh, cannot be gathered up again. We've been banished. Uh, the death of, uh, is, is the pronunciation of that banishment, of being thrust away from God. And we're as water that is spit on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. There's nothing that we could do in order to bring us back into the fellowship of God. It would be just as likely, as I've already said, of taking this cup of water and pouring it outside and you gathering every bit, every drop of that water back in that cup. It's not going to happen. I want to tell you what, dear child of God, when the Lord banished us and we died in Adam, I want to tell you it was a done deal as far as man is concerned. There was nothing that we could do about it. The sentence of death uh, was upon us. The law could not save us. 
For we know that what, the, what things the law saith over in, over in Romans chapter 3 and verse 19. For we know that what things soever the law saith is saith to them that are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world become guilty before God. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. I missed about half of that 20th verse there. In Romans chapter 3. Therefore by the deeds of the law. He says, now we know that what things soever the law saith. It says to them who are under the law. That every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law. There shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of of sin. The law brings about a knowledge of sin. It shows us who we are. And it doesn't matter, uh, you know, in, in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10. Let me go over there. I've got several places I want to go to, which shouldn't be a whole big surprise. <laughs> For the law of having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. Now he's talking about the law. Can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. The law wasn't there to make us righteous. The law wasn't there to that people had to follow the law before Christ. You know, people say, well, in the Old Testament, they had to follow the law if they wanted to go to heaven. That wasn't the purpose of the law. Right. He's telling you this right now about the, about the sacrifices that were going on in the Old Testament. And they weren't there. They, the law could not make the covers thereunto perfect. For then would they have not, for then would they not have ceased to be offered? Paul asked this question. If they, if they could follow the law, God's uh, law under the Old Testament, would they not cease to be offered? The work would be done? He said, no. He says, because that, because that once the worshippers, once the worshipers, once purged, should have no more conscience of sin. In other words, that, that should do away with it. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. So we see that the purpose of the law is not to ascribe to righteousness. The purpose of the law is to show us how unrighteous we really are. Now, when we look at the law, a dead alien sinner doesn't feel condemned by the law because the law has not been written in their heart. They know what's right and what's wrong legally. They know what's right and what's wrong by what's printed in a book or, or a stop sign that's on the side or a, or a speed limit sign on the side of the road. So we have, an, a, even the dead alien center has an intuitive knowledge of what's right and what's wrong by what they see, by what they experience in this life. But I want to tell you, that doesn't excuse man for his sins. You say, well, I didn't know those things were wrong when I was a dead alien sinner. You remember what Paul said in the seventh chapter of Romans? He said, for I was alive without the law once. I was alive without the law once. What law is he talking about? But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. When's Paul talking about when that commandment came? 
I was alive without the law once. He grew up at, under the feet of, at the feet of Gamal. He knew the law. He could read the law and tell you everything that the law said. So he knew that part of the law. But the law that he's talking about when he says, I was alive without the law once, he's talking about when he was a dead end and a sinner. But the, uh, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived. And I died. Sin revived. You know what happened? Sin came alive. He began to see who he was. Not only, not now, he wasn't pointing at other people, telling them they weren't following the law as a Pharisee, and pointing at other people, telling them you have to do it this way and you have to do it that way. That's the law of Moses. Now the finger is pointing the other way. The finger is pointing into his heart because he see that he sees now that he is guilty when he's born again by the Spirit of God. But that doesn't negate, that doesn't do away with all of his sins before that. God can't just take our sins and sweep them under, under the carpet and say, we're just going to do away with those and, and carry, I'm just going to let you start over. No, we, we were guilty before we were, when we were conceived. We were already guilty sinners. And we just show that forth in our practice, don't we? We don't sin to become a sinner we sin, unfortunately, because we are sinners. We are sinners. And so we see that, that we were in a lost state. We see that there was nothing else that we could do. And then when God borns us again, we still see our depravity, don't we? We still see that in, within ourselves, we begin, to, we begin to point the law within us. We begin to cry out as the Apostle Paul did towards the end of that 7th chapter of Romans, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That is not, as many would suppose, a man that needs to get saved. That is evidence of one that already is a child of God, the one that has already been born again by the Spirit of God, because he looks with himself and he sees his own wretchedness. He sees himself, for we must needs die, and as our, and as, as Water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. A man, a, a child of God, when they're born again by the Spirit of God, will see their lost and ruined state and see that they have no hope within themselves and that there's nothing that they can do to try to save them from the pit wherein they've been thrown in, uh, in Adam. But then the gospel comes along, doesn't it? <laughs> Thank God for the gospel. We wouldn't. We don't have to have the gospel in order to go to heaven. It is not. It is not a requirement to go to heaven, but it is sure a requirement to help the sin sick souls in this life. The child of God that sees themselves as that water that is spilt on the ground, that sees himself as a dead, ruined sinner, and it's the Lord that comes to us, but we we haven't we haven't gotten there yet. We'll we'll tell you the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, um, as we go on. So we see in well in Second Peter, chapter two, and verse fourteen, we see who man is. He says, 
And this is just right in the middle of a thought. I'm not going to go into the context, but he's talking about dead man here. He says, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Cursed children. Now this is who we all were at one time without, without the Lord in our heart. And we know that these are not talking about God's people because he says in the 17th verse of that same, uh, that same place there, he says, these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. That was our state. As, as, as that, for we must needs die, and there is water spit on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Over in uh, Mark chapter 7, we see another um, depiction of just who man is. In, in Mark chapter 7, the Lord tells us, Starting in the 20th verse, he says, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. Not what goeth in, but that that cometh out. And then he names 13 things here that show forth what is in man's heart. Just like that over in the third chapter of Romans when the apostle Paul was saying, There is none good, no, not one. There's none, there's, and he goes into this long list of of 13, I think 13 or 14 things as well, uh, saying that uh, you know their, their mouth is an open sepulcher and, and uh, cursing deceit is in their tongues and things like that. Well, the, the Lord says this, for from within, out of the heart of men, this is, this is what comes out of the heart of men. When he's talking about the heart of men, he's talking about the, the seat of affection. When he's talking about the heart of man, he's talking about the seed of affection, which is, which is, it is, it is manifesting what comes out is manifesting what is in. It's in the seed, the seed of man, the seed of his affections, the center of his affections. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Now, I just want you to think about that. The God, God doesn't rank these sins as one being greater than the other. He doesn't rank murder and evil thoughts and that higher than having pride or foolishness. He's just telling you where that emanates from. When a man becomes prideful in himself, that is when he becomes selfish, self-willed, and prideful in himself or herself, that's coming from the, that's coming from the seat of affection that man has. Now thankfully we have something other than that. That's, I want to tell you something. That is still in your heart, believe it or not. Those things are still there. They're, they're in your heart. 
You know, a lot of people say, I, I, don't, I don't understand how Hitler, you know, no, I could never be a Hitler. And I'm not suggesting that you could be or that I could be. Don't, don't, don't get on Facebook and, and start, start ruining, start smearing my name anymore than it already is. Um, but, you, you know, you, know the, you give somebody that power, you give somebody the power that he had, you'd be surprised what any one of us might turn into. It's not that he was any more evil. He had the same thing in his heart that me and you have sitting right here in the Lord's house. The same thing. He just had the ability to promote it. See, if we had, it'd be, it'd be scary. If you had the ability, to, I don't know how many times in the workplace, in, in my workplace, which is across the state, that I've, I have worked with people for years and good, good people to work with. Good, good people to work with. Very kind, easy to get along with. But then they, they get in a supervisory position where they're supervising. And some of them will change just like that. goes right to their head. You see, we've all got that ability. We've all got that nature within us. And that's because we must needs die. That's because we all died in Adam. But thanks be to God, if you're born again by the Spirit of God, you also have the fruit of the Spirit, which is totally opposite, which is totally 180 degrees opposite the other way. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance. It doesn't even sound like this list. It's a totally 180 degree difference, which tells me one thing, which tells me one thing. I've got a decision of who I want to follow. I've got a decision every day. Every time I get on the computer, every time I talk to somebody, I have a conscious decision, and I can't say, well, that's just my Adam nature, and that's just who I am. No, you're better than that. Because you have a decision every day. Do you want to follow the, 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 the man's heart? Or do you want to follow the, the, the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit that is within you? Do you want to bear that fruit? Or do you want to bear the fruit of man? You remember he said in the 12th chapter of Matthew, an evil tree doesn't produce good fruit, and a good tree doesn't produce evil fruit, for by, your, for by their fruits ye shall know them. Now we've all got the ability, as I've already said, everybody in Adam has the ability to produce evil fruit because we all, if you look at it the way that the Lord was looking at it, we all have that evil tree in us, right? But you see somebody producing good fruit? That's somebody like Brother Brian was saying in his prayer. That's magnifying the Lord. That's showing themselves as a child of God. Not boasting or, pumped or, or being pompous about it but being humble and humility and seeking God. I've got several branches on this tree this morning, so I'm um, going a lot of different directions, so just bear with me. He, is, he says, For we must needs die, and there is water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither does God respect any person. God does not respect any person. Wait a minute. God does have respect for people. 
And then there are places where it says God is no respecter. Apostle Peter talked of the place where God is no respecter of people. So how are we? Well, let's put it in context. Very early on, we see where the Lord God said he had respect unto Abel and his sacrifice, but unto Cain and his sacrifice, he had no respect. In other words, the Lord discriminated. Boy, ain't that a good word to use in this society nowadays, discrimination. The Lord discriminated. I want to tell you something. If you're married or ever been married, you've discriminated. You've discriminated. I have discriminated with my wife with every other woman in the world. And she discriminated and just chose me. Every one of us has discriminated. I discriminated this morning when I came to this church and not some other church out there. I've discriminated. It's okay to dis- discriminate in certain, in certain ways. The Lord discriminated. He said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. You know what that is? That's having, that's having respect. He's a, he's a respecter of person. He was discriminating between Jacob and Esau. He loved Jacob, he said, but he hated Esau. Was there anything wrong? Is there anything wrong with God being a respecter of persons in, the, in those situations? Absolutely not. God is all sovereign. God can love who He loves. He can have mercy, as Paul says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. The opposite side of that is, I won't have mercy on those whom I don't want to have mercy, and I won't have compassion on those whom I don't want to have compassion. And yet people say that's an unrighteous God, but we discriminate all the time in our lives. We do it justly too, by the way. Justly. I'm not talking about false or bad discrimination. But we discriminate all the time. In a good way. I'm talking about in a good way. Acts chapter 10. Verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. <laughs> Did everything I just say, was that false? No. Let's put it in context. Let's, all, right, let's, all right. Then Peter opened his mouth I'm, I, and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. In every nation. What, what the Apostle Peter's talking about right here is his defense, if you understand where we're at in the context of this, in, in the, he's, he's, he's uh, defending him going to the Gentiles. He's defending himself before the Jews going to the Gentiles and preaching. And so when he says he's no respecter of persons, he's talking about he's not a respecter of persons concerning God's people. Any, anybody that accepts the Lord, he, he says, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. But, but in every nation. God's not a respecter of persons when it comes to his people. 
He is a respecter of persons when it comes to his people and the non-elect. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how you have to separate that in the Bible. That's the only way that can be separated when you look at the context of it because clearly God in many times says that He is a respecter and in other times He is no respecter. But what is He saying here? For He must needs die and there is our water spilled on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person. That respect right there is talking about His people. But it's also talking about that respect right there is also talking about forgiveness. He does, just doesn't forgive his people. God is just and holy. God didn't just decide, as I said earlier, all right, I'm just going to sweep your sins under the carpet and we're just going to start over with a new slate. Brother Scott, if, he, if the Lord did that to me, it'd be, it'd be a new slate every five minutes. Because he's not, he's not going to forgive us our sins. Because He's a just and holy God. And we must needs die and there's our water that is spilled on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. So we see there that He, he can't do that. And we see that in, in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of sin is death. Wages. Wages are something that you earn. But the gift of God is eternal life. That's a gift. You don't earn a gift. But he says in Romans 6.24, the wages of sin is death. He didn't say the wages of life is, uh, is eternal life. He said the wages of sin. You know what that means? <clears throat> I get a wage. I get a monthly check from the state of North Carolina being a, being a state employee. And I get that because that's my wage. They don't just give that to me just to give it to me. They give that to me because that's what I've earned. The wages of sin is death. For we must needs die. And there is water spilled on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. We earned that. You don't earn heaven. Heaven's a gift. But what we did earn were the wages of death. We earn that in our lives. And he's not a respecter of persons. He, doesn't just, he, can't, he can't just forgive and say, well, we're, we're just not going to worry about it. But listen to what he says here. Yet, yet, nevertheless, what a beautiful word in the Bible. <clears throat> when we see the word yet, or when we see the word nevertheless, because... It's showing you a flip side of something much better that we can rejoice in. Yet, even though we are as water spill on the ground which cannot be gathered up again, and God is not a respecter, God does not respect uh, uh, people, His persons, uh, uh, respect any person. Yet, doth He devise a means. You see, Yet he has done something. He has devised a means whereby who? His banished. His banished. Be not his banished, those that he thrust out, be not expelled from him. He devised a means. It can't be just forgiveness. Okay, I'm just going to forgive y'all. We are forgiven today, but he didn't just he couldn't just forgive us individually because he's a just and holy God. 
The only way that the Lord can, God can forgive us today is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus Christ has done. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. And that's the beautiful, uh, that's the beautiful trumpet of the gospel that declares unto us that most high melodious note that the Lord has paid the sin debt full and complete. And that's the, and that is the means of that, that the Lord has, has, that God has used over in Psalms 111 and verse 9. It says, He hath sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. You know why preachers or pastors or men in the flesh or whatever should not be called reverend? Because that's God's name. 111, holy and reverend is His name. Not my name. Don't call me reverend. You want to call somebody reverend, you speak to Jesus Christ. You speak to the Lord God Almighty. He is holy and reverend. But He has sent redemption Unto his people. And how was that sent unto us? It was sent unto us by the blood of Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ did for us on the cross at Calvary. The Lord Jesus Christ is our mediator. That's the means. There is one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. One mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Who came and died here on the cross at Calvary for us. Uh, that we may uh, be uh, with him one day. And that same sword that was kept in, in the garden there to, on the east end to keep the way of the garden of the tree of life, let us look at that sword there that, that the Lord used when he thrust out Adam out of the garden, Adam and Eve. In Zechariah thirteen seven, it says, Awake, O sword. Time for that sword to wake up now again. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd. Who's the man? Who is that? Against my shepherd is God talking about his son. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow. That fellow simply means my comrade. They're comrades. It's talking about God the Father and God the Son. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. You remember when the sheep were scattered? You remember it was when they were scattered there at the cross? You remember he said, you, you, won't, you won't stay there with me. Y'all, y'all will flee. Y'all will be scattered. And it was there on the cross at Calvary. That they all scattered and went their way, all except for maybe John. He goes on to say, and the sheep shall be scattered. That's when the sword came against the shepherd. And it says, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. When God says there in Zechariah that I will turn my hand hands upon the little ones, he's not talking about hands of judgment. He's talking about hands of compassion, hands of love. You see, now he can turn his hand upon his sheep, upon his loved ones because of what the Lord has done, because of the devised means that has taken place. That devised means was 
Jesus Christ on, on the cross at, at Calvary. And we are completely forgiven. In Colossians chapter 2 and 13. And you, being dead in your sins, for we must needs die, and then are as water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again, Yet doth God devise, yet um, neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. Here it is right here. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Having forgiven you all trespasses. See, there is forgiveness there. Blotting out the hand, but where did that forgiveness come from? Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, the law that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Notice it didn't say nailing it to the cross. It said nailing it to his cross. See, he fulfilled the law. To a jot and a tittle. And it was the Lord who was nailed on the cross. It was his cross. And he bore that cross for us. Yet that he devised a means whereby his banish be not expelled. You notice it also says that means is plural. Means S. Didn't say he provided or will provide a means. He said means is a plural. Here we say here. Here we read here uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. That he might be the firstborn among his, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us? All things. The means that we have, the banished means was Jesus Christ. And the result of that we see over in Romans 28 or 29 and 30 are those things that we can rejoice in today. We were, we must needs die. And we were as water spilt on the ground which could not be gathered up. But thanks be to God that he had a devised means. Yet doth he devise a means that his banish be not expelled from him. We'll be in heaven one day, brothers and sisters, and we'll be there forever and ever, and we'll be there forever and ever with our Lord and Savior and our loved ones because of what he has done for us. God bless you. I appreciate the time.